When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's the thing. This is the best part about this podcast is because I don't know anything, but I have ideas, right? Yeah, and so and I, can I have just, no ideas. You have I no ideas, everything. but you know everything. <laughs> Welcome to The Crunch. It is your boy, Ethan. And I'm Patrick, and we're back, baby, recording on a Monday like we always dream. I like how we always say we're back as if there's ever a question as to our, <laughs> the fact that we're going to return the next week. I wonder week. if Patrick and Ethan are going to yeah. put an episode out this now, week, you say to your friend, and your friend who knows us very well goes, of course they are. They're attention-starved and terrified of fading into <laughs> into oblivion of just, just <laughs> what, in case you guys oh, obscurity. Thought, that's what it was. Just in case you guys thought that we were going to end the show after three years of doing it consecutively, <laughs> except for the first Christmas that we were recording. Yeah, what a we're black back. mark on our record. I knew we were going to have that black mark on our record. I know. Well, we can't be perfect, or else it would be too hard to for the so, youngins to identify with us. You know what I mean? It's yeah. why It's why uh, Captain America has to be. Um, I don't know. That's why Tony Stark has to be alcoholic. How about that? That's right. There, there we go. Captain America has no flaws. He has no flaws. Except has no for flaws. the fact That's that, his superpower. Yeah. He's super annoying. Um, so. I'm having so much problem. I've This new my levels being weird thing is, is a big problem, a problem for, for me. You? Why? Audacity keeps like upping my microphone volume. Oh, mine just went. Hold on a minute. Mine just went down to 0. 0.29. Are you? I, have, I am not joking. Hold on. We're going to pull this back up. Hopefully, if you're listening to this at home, that will have just fixed every problem that there ever was. But that was <laughs> so strange. It automatically sets microphone volume. Which is kind of annoying because it that shouldn't. Is annoying. It should I think it's a, be it's completely be in my like, control. I think it's doing that so that like amateur audio listener, audio makers won't like clip the mic. But right. we're not amateur. But we're not amateur. There should be an option at the beginning like it has in video games where it's like, <laughs> what level are you? I'm new to Audacity. I've been using Audacity for some time. I'm a pro at Audacity. Like there should be there should be a fourth level that says I am a co-host of the Crunch and it just <laughs> opens up the whole world for you. It just it automatically produces content. Audacity for you. it turns into Skyrim. Is what happens. <laughs> it's you, like oh excuse me sir I didn't realize you get a whole world. Why does to not explore? the Crunch simply eat all of the other podcasts? <laughs> We're trying. We can't uh, <laughs> catching foxes. They're too big. In both senses. Oh boy. So every time I watch The Simpsons, I think of Luke. I do too. I don't ever it's, watch The Simpsons though, so safe it's to growing say, on me. I never honestly think of like Luke. I thought it was just another one of those like LOL super hashtag edgy TV shows, but it's, it's not. never been that. No, it's very good. Yeah, it's, I've I found myself laughing in spite of myself several times. Conan wrote the show. Yeah, like that in and of itself has to mean something. Did you see the the clip that I posted on my Instagram story the other day? No, I don't have Instagram on my phone. Oh yeah, it was anymore. the it was the uh, it was the aliens, and they one of their tentacles got tied in a knot, and he goes, "What is this?" And Lisa goes, "It's a knot." And he goes, "Not what? No, not with a K." 
K's are silent. And the other one goes, really? I've been saying kitchen. At least he goes, that's correct. And they both go, huh? <laughs> that is funny. Isn't that funny? And it was even funny when I re- when I recounted it to you. Yeah. It usually isn't. That's the first time that you've ever told me about something that you consumed earlier. And it's been funny still. And it's been funny. No. Wow. It's... Thanks, The Simpsons. Thanks. For that great content. Thanks, Bart. <laughs> I, uh, what season were you watching? Uh, it was like season 26. Oh. This, did you just randomly select that or? No, I watched it all. No, I'm oh. just kidding. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. Oh, my gosh. I, uh, I, you can't start at the beginning and go all the way through. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, I need to ask like either Father Harrison or Luke or Gomer. Like, what is the classics? What is the what is the golden age of? The from Simpsons? what I know, seasons two through eleven is the golden age okay. of The Simpsons, or it might be two through nine, but it's somewhere around there. Gotcha. Um, yeah, like season one is never good of anything. Right. So that's what I've read on online, but then again, my knowledge is limited on most things. So that's fair, as we have stated previously today <laughs> so patrick why do we have to record on monday this week and throw off my oh, entire circadian rhythm oh okay i'm going on vacation well not really i'm just going home for thanksgiving yeah it's not really by vacation. the time you hear this i will be back at home so don't try to rob me um <laughs> <laughs> you should never tell people when you're going on vacation it's true because then people can know that you're not home. Mm-hmm. They know that your home isn't guarded by a shotgun and rabid dog. Well, here's like the thing. Usually is. The people who are most likely to rob my house are will be near enough to my home to see that my car isn't parked there, you know, for an entire <laughs> week. So I'm not really worried about some people on the internet who don't know where I live, first of all, <laughs> to come to my house that they don't know where it is and rob it. But that's that's just me. But I'm still worried. Um, but I am going back to Florida, which is cool because I haven't been to Florida since like January. Wow. Phoebe and I are going to check out wedding venues. Who? Not venues. Um, reception venues. Uh, Phoebe. Who? She's my fiance. Sorry? Yeah. Phoebe. My fiance. Phoebe. You know what women are, right? I'm, I've forgotten oh, in the past couple that, of weeks. I turned that around on you. You really did. <laughs> um. Let's, let's dig at some more wounds, huh? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I repent. No, it's I right. repent. I, but yeah, I don't. Let's not talk about what I'm gonna do. Uh huh. I want to know what you have done. What's been What's been going on with you this this past oh, little while? Patrick, thank you for asking. That's You're so welcome. kind. I love it when people ask me what's going on. You know, you it's see just, these, you see this nerds. This is what friendship is. It is all you glued to your uh, telephonic <laughs> devices. Uh, don't say that too loud. People <laughs> might come for you. Um, I I just got home yesterday, so this is coming out on Sunday. So I'll have been home for a whole week by the time this comes out. But I'm trying to rob his house. Tulsa gets the whole week off for Thanksgiving. So it's real nice. I stayed until Saturday night to see one of my disciples was getting recognized at the football game for being a senior on the equipment management team, which is hilarious because they, he was up on the screen for about 10 seconds. And he was just there in a stocking cap, just kind of like looking into the camera. And then it was over. And I stayed in Tulsa for an extra three days for that. And he texted me <laughs> afterwards. He goes, I can't believe you stayed here for that. And I go, bro, it was worth it. It was worth it. Did you know that Tulsa's mascot now is the Golden Hurricane, right? Yeah. Is it, like the, it, has it changed? No, it hasn't changed. But they're the logo. So it, right now yeah. it's just kind of the red and black hurricane flag that gotcha. they have out at the sea when a hurricane's coming in. You know? Yes, I'm familiar. But back in the 60s, they had a a cloud named Huffy that would carry the flag. (laughs) (laughs) 
which is hilarious to me. So Michael was up on the screen. The wearing, 60s were a different time. Wearing this retro logo that was huffy, this big yellow cloud on his shirt, hold storming, carrying the, the flag. And I, <laughs> I just don't know why they ever moved away from that because that's probably the it's greatest. because people stopped smoking marijuana as I much. I guess. I don't know. But uh, so I'm home. Was that I've a been, crunch joke? It was a great. Yeah, it's fine. It was a great joke. Okay. So I've been home. Uh, what I like to do on my breaks, at least, is I like to play at least one game of Civilization because I don't have a lot of time to play games when I'm at okay, you yeah. know, working. <laughs> yeah. And so I started. This is great. This is this is great for all you fans of uh, everything out there. So I was. <laughs> if you like something, this if you story like something, is this is you. for you. So Civilization, if you don't know, is a game of world conquest. Uh, you can win through a variety of means, culture military power diplomacy or science um i play civilization 5 which is my favorite game i chose poland as my as my civilization right to go with which we we like poland for a lot of reasons i was like john paul ii sacred heart of jesus and also they have a sweet bonus that you get with it (laughs) what's the bonus it's uh it's when you move to a new technological age you get a free you get a free social policy which is it doesn't mean anything to anybody if you don't. It play doesn't the game. mean anything to me. So yeah. it's just a nice way to, to move along a bit further. Every time, every time you conquer another land, you get a free kielbasa. <laughs> exactly, um, a kolachi. I <laughs> I chose Catholicism as my religion, right? Of course. Of course. I founded Catholicism, which was pretty exciting. You founded it. I founded Catholicism, and then when I got far enough along to choose an ideology, I chose socialism, and so <laughs> and so now. <laughs> Through the the power of diplomacy, I've made the World Congress choose Catholicism to be the world religion and socialism <laughs> to be the world government. So, and it, Poland is the most in charge out of anybody. So, we really are just con- fulfilling all the dreams of every Catholic integralist that's ever walked ever been on the Twitter. face of the planet. So, that's kind of been <laughs> that's like a fun meta joke for me is like playing this game, but also inside of the game, I'm knowing like I'm doing a meme. So it's imagine imagine conquering the entire world, converting the world to Catholicism, revamping the entire economic structure, all for a meme. It's I mean, that's the most Gen Z thing. I've do you ever have heard. any better ideas with what to do with your time? I think the only way to lead a nation now is through memes. The next it's president, the, the next, next president will be chosen based on how easily he dunks and how hard it is to dunk on. Him. That's that's what I'm scared about, uh, Mayor Pete, with his high hopes dance because it's a meme, but <laughs> more and more people are making fun of it, which means more and more people are gonna like it. Yeah. Unironically. Yeah. Which is kind of terrifying if you think about it. <laughs> I, w- I was talking to I was talking to Phoebe yesterday about uh, the the front runners for president. Yeah. And. Every I have a I have a correction to make from last week. Okay. Barack Obama is a baby boomer. I told you. Yeah, he is. So every president since Bill Clinton and also until after Donald Trump, if he gets out of office, like every president. And if they and that means that And if 10%, Bernie if Bernie gets elected, including the one after Trump. Yeah, exactly. Or Joe Biden. Or, wow. Or, or Warren. Warren. Yeah. Yeah. So all of the Democratic frontrunners are baby boomers. And so my point is like whoever gets elected next term. 10% of American presidents will have been baby boomers. That's crazy. Isn't that weird? That's so weird. I d- someone do the math on this. What generation has held the White House more often than the than the baby boomers besides like the founding father generation? Yeah. It makes a lot of sense because of the the massive economic growth that happened for that generation. Mm-hmm. So they just have the most money and yeah. therefore the <laughs> most power out of any other generation in American history. 
But I would be interested to see if there was another because, well, back in the day, people would die every couple days, you know, so we <laughs> have this... still die. every. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm just saying I think fewer people would make it to old age from any given generation Fair. 100 years ago. Um, do you think do you think it's strange that we still it's still like, I don't know, you made you made the point like the people with the most money and the most power end up getting elected. That's because it takes money to do re, like exploratory committees and running for president right doesn't that feel like wrong and does that feel wrong to you oh yeah yeah but that's like does that feel un-american baby yeah but but like you know i don't know i guess the founding fathers were rich but yeah i mean they also weren't right like what do you consider to be rich and not rich that's fair because like most of them ended up having big old houses well not even houses they owned land they owned slaves they i mean Got a nice pension yeah. package from crossing the Delaware on Christmas Day. Yeah, because like the big the big thing with the big thing with uh, Benjamin Franklin invented electricity. That's true, and he got a lot of royalties. That's from, a lot of uh, perks. Lightning. Yeah, every time uh, lightning struck, <laughs> he got a quarter. <laughs> That's why we built the Empire State Building just to fund Benjamin Franklin's estate. <laughs> we just <laughs> as high as heaven can reach, just so we get struck over and over again. Um, yeah, that was one of the, that was one of the things I learned in French Revolution. We were talking about how the promise was there was a promise of upward mobility, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, yeah. Now, even if you're not noble born, you can still rise to power. But in reality, like the nobility still held most of the money. So mm-hmm. in a society that was governed by if you had more money, you had more power. It was still like there was still a ruling class. It was just not formal, right? And so I don't know. Is there any way to get out of that? Uh, violent revolution. No, no, those are bad. Those are always bad. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's a good option. I'm just saying it's it is an option. Oh my gosh, this just became a Marxist. Podcast. I know. It's, it's <laughs> welcome to the Red Scare podcast. The Red Scare podcast. I actually have no idea what that podcast is about. I just see memes about it because Mecca was on it once. Oh, that's good. So anyway, is the Red Scare like a pro-communist podcast? I, I see. I'm, I don't know. We I shouldn't have. I should have made the joke without knowing all the details. <laughs> So this I'm is now home. A political, this is now a political theory podcast. Ethan, so, what are your thoughts oh on gosh. the French Revolution? I think um, I think I spent the entire third quarter of AP European history learning about the French Revolution, and there were only three questions on the AP exam about it. Those are my thoughts. <laughs> you know, one of one of the things I remember the most about French Revolution was there was a story of Nixon going to China, uh-huh. and he asked the during the French Revolution. Yeah, when Nixon yeah. went to China during the French Revolution. <laughs> no, Nixon went to China in like obviously like a couple of decades ago mm-hmm. a few decades ago and he asked the uh he asked the chairman i don't know what their government's like he's like what do you think he was just like making small talk. he's like so what do you think uh what do you think about the effects of the french revolution and the chinese chairman responded it's still too early to tell he's right he's right <laughs> that's crazy it's still too early to tell poor nixon poor nixon he didn't deserve uh to be arrested what happened to him he was impeached no he resigned before he was impeached yeah well there was impeachment proceedings that started yeah but he resigned mm. did he get arrested after that i don't think he got arrested how do you not get arrested i think he that? granted himself immunity <laughs> can you pardon yourself I trump think... thinks he can pardon himself absolutely he, he can yeah i don't know as nixon once said if the president can do it it's not illegal <laughs> <laughs> to them's the facts baby or no if the president does it it's not illegal <laughs> Ain't no laws when you're breaking laws. 
Oh, gosh. Hey, you said you didn't want to talk about politics, but here we are. Let's here talk are. about politics. All right, so I read this really interesting no. book. <laughs> I'm kidding. We oh, can't thank, talk about it. I, have, I don't know. Actually, instead of talking about politics, I want to ask you a question about talking about politics. All right. Why can't we talk about politics? <laughs> it's not that I don't want to talk about politics. It's because I'm so helplessly uninformed. Yeah, that's fair. Which, okay, so let me be clear. It's not that I don't care about the fate of the nation it's not that i am choosing to be ignorant on purpose it's just that i don't have the bandwidth to care about the political scene right now Mm -hmm. like sure when the election ramps up i'll probably pay more attention um if impeachment hearings go any further i'll probably pay more attention but like if you ask me why trump's getting impeached if you ask me like why all that stuff is going on the ukraine thing i really have no idea I know that there's stuff going on. I know it has something to do with uh, Joe Biden. I know it has something to do with Trump. I know it has something <laughs> to do with emails and nope, Hillary. Nothing, no. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> but like that's, I know vaguely about it, but I just don't know enough about what's going on now. I'd be much more interested to learn about stuff that happened in the past and talk about how it yeah. affects what's going on now than just be constantly taking in the deluge of information about whatever the heck's happening on in Washington that specific day, you know? That's why like I actually so I was able to have an intelligent conversation about politics, about current events politics for the first time in like in this election really you know, term in this term with someone who worked on the hill and was like a, a teacher that he like taught political science. I was able to have this conversation based on like the five or six books that I read. Mm-hmm. which took me less time i think overall than it would have taken for me to like keep up with current events every right. day okay and so in terms of like cost benefit i think reading longer pieces that take longer to publish is more beneficial than keeping up with twitter and um huff post articles and like real quick breaking news segments because stories develop over time and we don't see the effects or know all the details and the problem is that news outlets want to publish really quickly and so sometimes the attitude is let's just get this story out regardless of whether we have incomplete information and so then people end up filling in the blanks and guessing the details and then we're all operating on different facts alternative facts Mm -hmm. as the case fake news let's just say call a spade a spade spade a spade well alternative facts is another was another um a term that kellyanne conway former press secretary for the house ah for the White House, you said uh, she said that she said that that Donald Trump wasn't mistaken. He just used alternative facts. That's funny. Yeah, really funny. Um, how do you decide what books to read? Like, how do you know what's worth your time and what isn't? Oh, that's a good question. So when I it's called so first friendship. of all, I <laughs> so first of all, I, I use one app to download audiobooks, and it's my local library is like OverDrive. Mm-hmm. So. If you go to your library, most libraries have a subscription to like this. It's it's called Overdrive, and they have audiobooks and Kindle books, stuff like that. And so, basically, the books that I chose were books that were written from a first person perspective. Mm-hmm. And so, I wanted to see different sides of the story. And so, I read a book by James Comey, former FBI director, mm-hmm. Andrew McCabe, who was the deputy director of the FBI, who succeeded Andrew Comey in an acting capacity. I read Hillary Clinton's memoir and I read um, something by, oh my gosh, was it Michael Wolf? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But there was Wolf a, there Blitzer. was a, what? Wolf Blitzer. No, not him. Oh, okay. 
there was a there was a guy who was a communications staffer in the White House, and he did a memoir after he got let go. And then I also read the most recent book that came out, which was an anonymously written uh, tell-all from a guy inside the White House. So, um, reading those five books, like choosing primary sources in, in mm-hmm. terms of like from a historical perspective, that's a better way to go than people sure. who are analyzing events, right? There's a book by uh, Bob Bob Woodward is a is a famous biographer for administrations. He's written a book on everybody from Clinton onward, and he's been he's been accused of like sensationalizing things or kind of skewing things. And also in terms of people who are trustworthy, right? Like Steve Bannon has an autobiography, but I don't really trust his opinion because no. he's a pretty he. I don't trust him to give him to put himself in an unfavorable. He works for a website ever. called Drudge Report. I don't really trust. Yeah. I don't trust. Well, that was a guy's last name, but still. Matt Drudge. Yeah. Matt, Matt Drudge. More like Matt holding a grudge <laughs> against him for having a bad last name. Yeah, there you go. Steve Bannon. <laughs> uh, but I trusted I trusted the two FBI directors to like cuz they're used to reporting things pretty flatly, you know, like these yeah. are just the facts. And uh Hillary Clinton's autobiography was just for funsies. And then um uh the two the two White House guys, I figure that like they don't really have anything to hide, right? you know, cuz it's like they can't get arrested for what they did. What was really interesting was just watching them watch the president do things. Uh-huh. And also, President Trump swears so much more than he does on television. Oh, it's, I'm not <laughs> it's it's glorious. Um, but yeah, the 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 the, uh, the Diet Coke story was recounted in this other book. That's so, good. I do like yeah. the Diet Coke story. Yeah, it's even funnier when you think about that one time that. Uh, Kim Jong Un threatened us with a button that's always on his desk uh-huh. for nukes. Kim Jong Un. And then, oh, yeah, not us, North the Korea. Crunch Podcast, us America. <laughs> yeah, Kim Jong Un threatened the Crunch Podcast with his two nukes, and um, he said, "I have a button that's always on my desk." And Barack, or sorry, Barack Obama, President Trump responded with, "Let him know that I have a button and it's bigger than his." And, um, <laughs> and the button that, but the, it's funny when you think the button that sits on his desk is actually just a diet Coke. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. We've got, we've got drones circling the globe right now, zeroing in on the location of Kim Jong-un prepared to bean him in the head with a can of diet Coke <laughs> whenever Donald Trump hits the button. It's a I mean, one for a one. He gets one to his traveling office. Traveling from the atmosphere would kill someone when his when his aide brings him the coke in his office he knows that the coke in north korea has been delivered the payload has been <laughs> dropped kim jong-un just keeps like finding craters with a single <laughs> can of diet coke inside and he's like what must this mean what is this but in korean um <laughs> oh man i uh, uh, do you think we've invented a time machine never mind <laughs> I would like to go back in time to a simpler time, to a the good old days time. when there wasn't a baby boomer in office. So, oh my gosh! Yeah, this is we're we're pushing the hot take time machine back further than it's ever been pushed before. Back when the button brought you a new Coke. Oh, that's a great reference. Thank you. We're gonna go back to when Stranger Things was cool. Welcome to the hot take time machine. Welcome to the Hot Take Time Machine. machine. (laughs) (laughs) Were you doing that on purpose? No, I did it. I was was just going to genuinely do it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Do it. No. (laughs) Welcome to the Hot Take Time Machine. machine. 
No, let me do it. Okay. Welcome to the Hot Take Time Machine, the segment where we talk about the prime of social media posting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you have a hot take from social media, from your own personal social media, five years or older, with some wiggle room, send it to at the Crunchcast on Twitter or email it to us, info at thecrunchcast.com. Patrick, I would love to hear your hot take. Okay, so... Oh no, I lost it. Never mind. I didn't. I found it. Okay, so in on ride. December twenty first of two thousand eleven, I posted. I finally met Tony McCulley, not the imposter from Roses. And I don't that's know my hot take. I don't know who that is. Okay, so backstory. It's so okay. first of all, Thank Roses you. was a reference to Everything Is Coming Up Roses, which is a variety show. I used to. Okay, so I used to be a part of this. Oh, um, wow, this is really deep. It's a deep cut. I used to be part of this community theater in. Right. Cocoa Village in Florida. The one with the blind dog. Yeah, the one with the blind dog. And um, they did a variety show at this big theater in my town. It was called Everything's Coming Up Roses. And uh, Tony McCulley was uh, the writer. He wrote he wrote a bunch of songs in the 1970s. Have you ever heard Build Me Up Buttercup? Mm-mm. I did okay. not know that. So that was a song that was popular in the 1970s. And he wrote songs... He wrote that song, and he wrote a bunch of others. He's a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And he moved to Melbourne, and he became friends with the director of the theater. Okay. And he wanted to write a musical oh. for them. Okay. And so there was this – it was a lot of hype. It was like – there was a lot of hype. There's like, oh, my gosh, like we're having a professional songwriter write a musical. It's the world premiere is going to be at this thing. And I was like – as a young kid, I was like, holy crap. Like this is a really big deal. And It's a medium-sized deal. It's a medium-sized deal. And Everything's Coming Up Roses was uh, the variety show. And I was backstage at this variety show. Oh, no. And I met this guy who I assumed. I don't remember why I assumed this. I assumed he was Tony McCulley because mm-hmm. he has a suit on. He just and had he a suit And he was backstage. Yeah. He just looked like Tony McCulley. And so I met him and I talked to him. And I was like, it's really nice to meet you. I love all – I like, like – I think I love you're a really great songwriter. I love your work. I don't know. I wasn't alive back then. Uh-huh. And he was, he looked so confused. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> and I told my friends, I was like, Tony McCulley's weird. And we were sitting there and we were watching the show and the director introduces, um, <laughs> introduces uh, Tony McCulley to like come and sing one of the songs that from the musical they were yeah. writing. And he walks out on stage and I was like, this oh. is a different guy. Is, <laughs> no, my first thought, my first thought, honest to God, my first thought was, that's not Tony McCullough. <laughs> you had convinced yourself so much. Oh. Uh, and Reality then I must conform. Yeah, the show wasn't good. No, of course it not. It wasn't. Because it was, Macaulay Culkin was writing and directing it. <laughs> What's his name? The The song was called Build Me Up Buttercup. It was based on the song that he wrote. And mm-hmm. one of the... um the lead love interest of the show was named Sally Butterfield. <laughs> so even, even as a, what a 14 year old, I was like, that's kind of cheesy. Don't you think? Yeah. The, Oh man. What was her dad's name? <laughs> Bert Butterfield. Bert Butterfield. <laughs> this like is my dog. Name. Butter Butterfield. <laughs> <laughs> this is my horse. Butter. More like more like Sally Butterface. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> That's mean. That is mean, but I don't wasn't mean. I don't know. 
you don't know her, so it must I be okay. I don't know her. <laughs> has, la- has the last it's week of our existence. It's a fictional character. She has our last exist. week of our existence not taught you anything about how to talk about people <laughs> that you don't know that they could be listening. <laughs> Listen, oh, Sally, I wasn't com- Sally Butterfield. I wasn't, comment- I wasn't commenting on the person who Sally, played her. Sally Butterfield, if you're listening to this, and I know that you are. Patrick's She's a words, fake person. <laughs> Patrick's words do not reflect on this Verified podcast. Verified 2020 sponsored by Sally Butterfield. My my email is <laughs> That's your real email, so. Oh, no, I can't read that out. You can't read that out loud. That was me. That's funny. Um, Yeah, so Build Me Up Buttercup, the musical. Do you think, it, is Tony McCullough still alive? Tony McCulley? McCulley? How do you spell it? Uh yeah, look him up, Tony McCully. Hey, McCully, 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 Tony McCully, and um McCully. I don't. Born this in is England. The... Paperboy. Yep. He's, He's best known for the songs "Baby Now That I Found You" and "Build Me Up Buttercup." He is still alive, I think. What does he look like? Um, I'd love to see a picture of him. Oh yeah, this is the problem because there's I looked no, him up. And there's there was no, no picture, picture of him, him on no Wikipedia. Anthony Gordon well, Instone. That means he can't be a part of Verified 2020. Sorry, Tony. Sorry, Tony. Pixar, it didn't happen. Let's you see when you have images. to do that to Tone. Oh wait, I think this is him. Yeah, this is him. This is him. <laughs> This is great for our audio listeners. <laughs> and for you, I can't even show it to you. I know. Oh, this is a really creepy picture. Hold on. Nope. I actually do have to show this to you. Okay. Well, I'll just vamp until. No, you can be quiet and then cut it out. Oh. Isn't that a weird picture? That is a. Oh, gosh. I don't. His I don't eyes like are all. just black. I don't like his eyes. I don't like his skin. I don't like how his mustache is. Sorry, bad picture, Tony. We all have those days. Imagine, if you're listening to this, imagine the weirdest dude you can look at, and then that's him. <laughs> and now stop imagining me and start imagining Tony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I was going to dunk on you, but I said I already did that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Theater stories never get old, Pat. I love them. Keep them coming. Oh, my gosh. I have so many. Theater is a weird place. Down with theater kids. Unironically down with theater kids. You see that there's a tweet that was going around a while ago that was like, um, I'm so tired. I need whatever the theater kids had at 8 a.m. every day. <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but it was like, yeah, thinking back, those they were wild. At they were wild. The Hanging out with theater kids was the most obnoxious thing I had to do as a high school student. We'd be at Steak and Shake at like four in the morning, and one Monsters. of the girls would just be like, I was in this one show, and I sang this one song. How did it go? Hmm. <gasps> She's like singing in the middle of a steak and shake, and I'm like, stop. Oh my God. She said it like that she would be saying that would be like the lead into a real song in a real musical of like, this just makes me feel like, oh, how does it go? And then, like, that's just like a line from a real musical that she did. One time I tripped on a tree stump. <laughs> I don't know that. That's not a real song. Oh, that's from Cats. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> we were talking, singing of Cats. Oh no! I was um, I was talking to a couple of my kids yesterday, a couple of the girls. So you need to know that so okay. that you can understand their reaction. I do. Um, I don't know important. if you ever if you've ever experienced the winter, um, but sometimes animals uh they're outside during the winter, right? And they can't survive it. Yes. And so occasionally, in like more rural or more rural parishes, we'll find um small kittens that didn't survive the winter, and they're just like right. frozen solid. 
We all know this. We and do. so I was talking about this to one of the girls, and I was like, Frozen Cats, America's two favorite musicals. <laughs> Together is one. Oh, Cats on Ice. That's funny, and Pat. They, <laughs> yeah. Well done. That's a good joke. I feel patronized. Do you want to hear my hot take? Patreon.com slash the crunch. Yes, I do. Okay. Okay. This was, um, it was a reply tweet. It's from August 9th, 2013. So the Twitter account at ABC World News. (laughs) (laughs) Ethan, Ethan, I don't care about the news, Stevie. (laughs) (laughs) This was a while ago. So World News Tonight tweeted uh, a link to an article. Mm -hmm. The search is on for the miracle priest who rescued a teenager in Missouri. Do you know who he is? And then it's hashtag ABC World News and then a link to the article. And the article is actually, I read it back. It's a great story. So someone got in a car crash and uh, a man showed up and was praying and using some anointing oil um, over this person. And the firefighters were there, but their equipment wasn't working um, until this guy showed up. And then he said, hey, your tools are going to work now. And then their tools started working. And then the man disappears. Um, And so it's a great story, right? makes me think that it was an angel um, or just a priest who had to stop by and be on his way. And so it's a phenomenal story. But me, I replied and I I was – it wasn't that bad, but it's just kind of funny. At ABC World News. Maybe it was someone or something that we can't explain. Miraculous works require miraculous faith. Wow. The quotable Ethan Stevie. <laughs> I, I must have just heard that in a talk or something because there's, yeah, there's no like, way I, I talk like that. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's funny that I just took it upon myself of like ABC, whoever runs the ABC World News needs to hear account. this. They need some, they need some evangelization right quick. now. But also... Oh, gosh. Miraculous works require miraculous faith. Calm down, <laughs> Jason Everett. Oh, my god! Five gosh. years ago. That was when I was still anonymous, and I thought that I was going to really change the world through my Twitter account. And it turns out all that came from it was just people getting a mad Twitter at me. A Twitter addiction. Once and- a week. A Twitter addiction and, <laughs> and a podcast. depression. Who can say if it's a bad thing? <laughs> Who knows? Twitter addiction Twitter addiction <laughs> ruins people's lives, but it does make podcasts. So, so who, who can, can say, say whether or not it's bad? <laughs> Uh, uh that's I, funny that i don't know why that made me think of this but so i forgot to mention this in the pre the pre-show banter but sure. I, I hung out with uh, a protestant pastor today a local guy um we just we connected i reached out to him yeah and you told me we about that like, on the phone out. what you told me about that oh on yeah the phone. i told you on the phone yeah but we we have a whole bunch of listeners ah i forget yeah. about them <laughs> like why are you why are you saying all this expository information i don't know i just feel like it <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh <laughs> we we were we were talking about the church. Right. You, I'm familiar. You already know this already. I'm familiar with we the church. We were talking about the church, and he asked me, like, what a bishop does. And I was like, oh, he's like, he's like, why do you have bishops? And I was like, here's why we have bishops. We believe that they were a direct succession from Jesus. And I, like, explained that we can trace all the bishops directly back, which means we can trace everybody right back to Jesus. And he was like, that's awesome. That's so cool. Um, and we had a really great conversation about how cool the, the Catholic church is, which is awesome. And that 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 little that little tidbit that you said made me think like if that conversation had happened on Twitter, oh no, it would have been like some random guy going, "Why does the Catholic Church like even have bishops?" And someone would be like, "It's apostolic succession, you idiot!" And then they would get in a big fight, and everyone would go to hell. Yikes! <laughs> Thank goodness, Patrick Nevy, our IRL savior, 
thank goodness thank goodness that we don't actually have to be on twitter i think Whoa. i think the uh the the idea that our twitter accounts were going to save the world was not an uncommon one it was no not an uncommon no feeling. i think a lot of people had that we were all lied to by ourselves <laughs> and by have and i ever by told you jack what's his name about the night that i came up with propossum no, you haven't told me this origin story. <laughs> we need to have a, a dark, gritty Zack Snyder directed Joker esque movie about me coming up with Propostle for mm-hmm. Twitter. Um, but I was laying in bed one day. This was, I think I had I had gone to probably my second or third Steubenville conference, mm-hmm. and I was laying in bed, and I was thinking, I was like, man. The new evangelization. How can I do that? How can I use my skills and my talents? I'm picturing like the night, the windows are open, the, the like, curtains are billowing in. Like Jason Everett said that I had, how could I use everything that he's given me, <laughs> the Lord that is, to to do this? How can I use everything Jason Everett has <laughs> All of Jason Everett's muscles and arms to do this. But what happened was I didn't have a Twitter yet. I wasn't allowed to have a Twitter by my parents. Mm-hmm. And so I was I had to I had to sit idly by waiting for the day that I could create this this new evangelization force uh-huh. that would that would unleash itself upon the internet. So what happened was I get Twitter after the day I take the ACT my senior year because that was like the thing is like once you take your ACT you can have Twitter because you you don't have to study anymore. You you're free to free to <laughs> do whatever you, you get want. Into college. Yeah. And so I did that, or it was my junior year, right? So I did that, and I got experience with the platform. And then I created, on the night of August 10th, 2013, the idea that I had had for a year and a half finally came to fruition. (laughs) And I was texting my friends, what should I call it? What should I call it? Literally, like, on the phone, trying to figure out what, because this was such a big moment for me. And then finally, Propostle. Propostle. It's iconic. Game changed for the you rest of You want to know how life. I came up with the name Catholic Pat? How? I'm Catholic. Name's Pat. Dang. People still call me Catholic Pat, like, in the streets. In the streets? Yeah. Of oh, Franciscan. Oh, There's still yeah. streets. I was about to say. <laughs> the cracked sidewalks. The cracked si- Hey, the icy cracked sidewalks. Yeah. I'm just, all I'm saying is, is that we all thought that we were going to do something great with Twitter. And turns out the great thing we did with Twitter was canceled was deleting it yeah yeah deleting it (laughs) the most heroic thing i've ever done with my twitter account is give the password to my fiance i know (laughs) okay pat do you want to move on to our to our brand new segment called chew on this (laughs) called crunch on that crunch on that crunch on that either way we could call it cot the segment caught the segment where you lay down and fall asleep as we talk about (laughs) in depth a segment Make a bumper for crunch on that. Crunch I, how, on this. How much time do you think I have? Um, a whole week. No, I'm busy. Sorry. Oh, I got, <laughs> sorry. I'm sick that day. <laughs> I, got, I got integralism to establish. Crunch on this. Welcome to crunch on this. The segment where we say a thing and then you think about it while we talk. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to welcome this. To... Welcome to the segment where it's literally just a podcast, but inside of a podcast. Welcome to the old podcast. So, but, Ethan, what do you want to talk about this week? 
<laughs> We've gone full circle. Listen, so, if you're thinking of changing it to something more well thought out, like like clerically speaking, no, don't. No, never. I you actually think that's it. our charm is that we've not we've thought out nothing. Because you already listened to it. Because this podcast is your last ditch podcast when you're on like a long car ride and yeah. you've already exhausted all of your other content. Mm-hmm. So you have nothing left. You're stuck with us right here. Something I think we should take a lot more pride in is the fact that we never come with notes to this show. <laughs> that we never. It's only what's up here. It's only off the dome, which is yeah, really. Yeah, remember like, when? Remember when? What's her name from from Seek twenty. 2019 was like hey do you guys have like like a like bumpers or a show notes like, ah. <laughs> oh we don't have anything that's so oh, funny homie, you that's have why no idea that's why people say it's like hanging out with their friends you know it's like you don't bring yeah. notes to a conversation with yeah your no friends. you totally don't that's not something that a normal person does hey thank you for listening to this episode of the crunch Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this week, uh, we were thinking about talking. So I've been reading. So Patch has been reading a lot about politics, right? We kind of uncovered that in the intro to this yeah. podcast. But I... I've been reading a ton of stuff, but go on. You've been reading a lot more than just that. I don't want to... That's kind of... Yeah, don't diminish, don't diminish my reads. I'm, I'm not trying to diminish it. We should have... At the end of the year, we should uh, go over all the stuff that we read this year. Hashtag read 75. That'd be fun. Um, 2019. Because I've been reading a lot too. Just a lot of fiction. Uh, which is fine. <laughs> I need but, to read more fiction. Uh, fiction's great. So I, but some of the nonfiction that I've been reading, and I've mentioned it on the show briefly, but I wanted mm. to take some time to flesh it out because I think it's, while we're on the streak of making people mad at us, I think this is the time to like, this is the moment to ride that wave and get it all out um, Absolutely. before it's all over. So I've been reading a lot by this author, Michael D. O'Brien. He's the guy that wrote, um, Father Elijah, Father, yeah, Father Elijah, which which I love so much, and he's got a series of six books um, that are all about sort of leading up to the apocalypse. And Father Elijah is like the culmination of those books, and they're very very good. Like Peter Peter Kreeft, um, Kreeft, famous uh, Catholic author. He said that Michael O'Brien has, is his favorite Catholic novelist, mm-hmm. um, like his favorite novelist period, just because of how well he writes. Um, and so. Very well respected, and so I, I've been reading some of, the, of his other stuff um, on like literature, like books about literature. Mm-hmm. So he has this book that he wrote in the '90s called "A Landscape with Dragons," which is about um, sort of there's different books and different series, and and um, especially for children's books, like how the the traditional fairy tale has been inverted and changed into something very different, and how we need to be aware. Yeah. of what we allow our children to read. And he talked a lot about just the dangers present in um, inverting symbols of good and bad and creating like dragon characters that are good when dragons were always meant to represent the devil, you know, in literature. And now all of a sudden you're you're giving kids conflicting images of what's good and what's evil and rewarding antiheroes. And I know when I was watching Dragon Tales, the first thing I, I wanted know. to do was knock off a liquor store. 
Exactly. <laughs> but that's uh, it's neither here nor there. But <laughs> why do you disagree? So okay, I don't so, think he's no. talking. About, I don't think he's talking about dragon tails. No, but if if that's if that's the point he's making, it has to extend all the way down to the down to dragon tails. It does. No, I think I think you're making a good point, right? It's like the from what I understand, the inverting of symbols is not so much as like it's promote. It was intentionally meant to promote evil. It was meant right. to subvert expectations, yes. which is fine, and that's come to a point where it's just so normal to have. Like a dragon mean can mean anything. It doesn't have to mean a de facto villain, even right. though it used to. Right. You know, which is which is interesting, and it he argues that it's bad, um, and you can take that for what it is. But he he talks a lot about like these are the good things that should be promoted in children's literature, like um, a protagonist who is virtuous and who conquers the evil um, in a clear concrete way like this is important for children just to give them clarity like yeah. as adults we're used to not clear stuff right breaking yeah. bad game of thrones um like b- media that is the walking dead the yeah. walking dead video games all these things that like have n- not clear-cut morals but we have been formed enough to like know oh this is this is good for this reason and this is bad for this reason but children don't have that yet which is mm-hmm. why you need to like give them hard concrete things so like a protagonist that achieves victory through virtue rather than through cleverness or yeah. um, like going around the problem mm-hmm. um, or luck. Right. And so like his, his whole point is that there's so much nowadays that relies on those tropes and relies on sort of the anti-hero um, that is fundamentally flawed with good on the surface instead of being fundamentally good with flaws is there's yeah. a difference. And um, it's just kind of a, an introduction to those sort of ideas, an introduction to how all of that kind of creeps into entertainment. So he read, he wrote a follow-up book specifically about Harry Potter. And this is, yeah. And this is where we're going to lose our whole audience. (laughs) Hey, if you're disagreeing with Ethan, I'm on your side. Yes. No, don't worry. Don't worry. Um, but I think a spirited debate, I think it's worth you and I having a discussion because then other people can listen because to it. we're smarter than everybody. Well, it's not that. It's just I can't have this on Twitter, as we've seen. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about it at some point, and this is a safe place. And I'm open mm-hmm. to having my mind change, but I think some of the arguments that he puts out are pretty good. So he wrote a follow-up called Harry Potter and the Paganization of Culture, which is... <laughs> which is, sounds exactly like a Harry Potter title. I know. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that was the joke is why he did that. Um but he, he goes more in depth on Harry Potter specifically and kind of updates the, his other book with some more modern stories. Like he talks about Twilight. He talks about – he mentions briefly like some of the Star Wars movies. Mm. Um, he mentions um, – he compares and contrasts the, the Lord of the Rings um, with Harry Potter quite a bit. Um, and, and so there's some other popular books that I didn't, I didn't know about, but they were popular at the time that he wrote it like yeah. a couple years ago. So it's more – he goes more in depth on Harry Potter specifically and why Harry as a character is just not a good protagonist when compared to mm. other protagonists and why. So like a lot of people throw in like, oh, because there's magic in it, it's bad. And he's like, OK, that's fine. And that's partially true. But that's not the whole reason why. Like, yeah, it's not the crux have, of it. We have problems with it. And so um, I don't know, Pat, before I just dive in and just give you a word vomit, what, mm. uh, what are your thoughts coming in on the controversy where have you been in the past where are you now um do you think it's tired do you think right now get where it? i'm at 
I don't know. I did. I did grow up reading Harry Potter. It was like the first, I did too. Like, to be clear, big book, big boy book that I read. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave, but Dave to all the nations, Van Vickle. Um, <laughs> Dave Thunderdome, Van Vickle. Dave, uh, said, too hot to handle, <laughs> too cold to hold, Van Vickle. <laughs> uh, Dave, the terror of demons, Van. <laughs> um, he he said something during during his uh, angels, demons, and hauntings talk, where he's like, my my opinion on Harry Potter is this. Um, there's better things mm-hmm. to read to mm-hmm. give to your kids. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's that's a that's I think that's a fair balanced yeah. take, you know? Because I, I don't know, I I think that the blanket there's magic in it, therefore it's bad is mm-hmm. stupid because you yes. can easily point to Narnia and the Lord of the Rings and be like, hmm, and Absolutely. that's fine. Uh, what I don't like is when, what I don't like is that seems to put Narnia and Lord of the Rings on the same level as Harry Potter, right? <laughs> Which is silly. Uh, the only thing that's the same between those three is that they were all uh, originally written in England. Um, <laughs> so it's true, and they're all f- popular. Yeah, they're all popular. Uh, I I think that I think that the I just I, I I haven't heard his argument about why Harry Potter is a bad protagonist. I have to read it. Yeah, I think it's... I think that we should take his I think we should take his um his opinion with like not with a grain of salt the opposite mm-hmm. i think we should take i think we should put a high value on it because mm-hmm. he is a very well a well-received yeah. novelist he's a very good novelist mm-hmm. he makes compelling characters and if he says this character isn't compelling i would be i would default he to knows like, more okay, about that than we do yeah certainly. you know he knows more about that than, than we do um just because a character is likable just because he makes you feel good doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's necessarily a virtuous character i what i wanted to talk to you about was um messages in children's television and Mm. children's stories yeah because you make a good point that twilight i think we talked about this last time twilight's about vampires vampires are an inversion of the eucharist that's bad yes we really shouldn't be making vampires protagonists but the things that are popular for little little kids Mm -hmm. and things that are popular for regular old like kids that can think about things those those things, even though even though the kids are teenagers, even though the kids are in middle school, we still need to guard what yeah. they watch because what they're being what they're being shown is educational regardless. Mm-hmm. Like the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody was children's television, but yes. it taught us something. Yeah, right. Even if it wasn't a heartfelt lesson, and I don't know if you've watched these shows yet. Have you watched the new Disney Channel movies, The Descendants? Uh, I don't even know what that is. Okay, so it's like the big it's like the big Disney Channel original movie. It's like the as big budget as DCOMs can get. Right. But essentially the premise is all of the all of the kingdoms from all the classic Disney movies, they all united. Mm. And they took all of the villains and they put all the villains on an island that like they can't get off of. Okay. And the protagonists are the kids of the villains and the kid oh. of Beauty and the Beast, they he decides that he wants to bring them over to oh. give them a second chance. Okay. To give the kids a second chance. Okay. But the adult villains have to stay over. It's hmm. also kind of funny because, like, some of the villains would definitely not be in the same time period. Like, Cruella DeVille and Maleficent are very obviously, like, centuries apart. But anyway. Right. So, the daughter of Malif- Maleficent is the same, is the is the main character. And Maleficent, in all of Disney's lore, is probably the most evil villain. Her name like, literally the, just means evil lady. Evil. Yeah. yeah. Like, she's, she's, she's pretty much, like, the epitome of evil she turns into a dragon, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that yeah. story is meant to be like, it's absolute good, absolute evil. Clear cut. And her daughter is the main character. And in, 
and the the conflict the main conflict in the show in the movie is the main character is like but i'm in this like perfect beautiful place and they're trying to change who i am like Mm -hmm. i'm a villain at heart but like they want me to change and like the end of the the moral of the story at the end she like is still wicked or whatever Mm -hmm. like that's the whole point is like oh i'm i i'm not they're not gonna change me like i can still be who i am right but that's a good message but who you are is evil like there there's sounds no like, like it ralph yeah sure sort of i'm bad and that's good no ralph yeah. it's not good <laughs> <laughs> um and and in in the second movie she like turns into a dragon and it's all oh. this this whole mess and she like becomes this good they the the four the four main characters have to go through goodness classes, but they like mm. they fail and they're like that's okay you can stay over here anyway and I don't know I just didn't this whole like this whole inversion of like the antihero is yeah. too common I think yes whatever happened to good old Zac Efron bouncing a basketball right. and learning how to sing whatever happened to the guy from Good Luck Charlie traveling in time <laughs> with two other dudes in white suits the Minutemen that's the movie I'm thinking of. But I think I think if you if you if you compare and contrast to high school high school musical and then descendants, right? It's like high school musical has a very clear cut message. Yeah. There are cliques in high school and that's stupid. Yes. And that teaches you a lesson. It does. Right. But what lesson is being taught in this movie? It's that yeah. if you are bad, that's never going to change. Right. And that's okay. Even if you try. Even if you try, you can never And with like help from people, you're just exactly. gonna be bad because that's who you are. Yeah. That's interesting. That is really interesting. I never, I don't even, I didn't even know about that. But and you I may think say, that's, "Hey, Patrick, it's silly to analyze children's television like no, this." No, it's I important to silly. analyze it. Yo, it's important to analyze all these things because yeah. what forms us more? Like the thing is, is my parents always make fun of me and my brothers because whenever we're together, we're like quoting old TV shows and making <laughs> jokes and like all this stuff. And they're like, "Do you guys not have room in your brain for anything else?" And it's like we do, but that's the stuff that formed us. Yeah, that's the stuff when that we younger. watched over and over. And again. Like, you know how many times my dad walked through the living room and was like, I've seen this episode already. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen this episode like eight times. That's how many times you guys have watched it. And I was like, right. these episodes, these shows are are, are it. Yeah. That's the, the, Zach and Clue. the... And I, I'm not blaming my parents by any means. I know I know they're listening to this right now. I love you, Mom and Dad. Um, but it's just a reality <laughs> of like... This is not a phase. <laughs> yeah, this, this is a reality of like, we have to be aware of what we are consuming still to this day. And yeah. it will affect us like you're going to become a parent soon maybe. And mm-hmm. so you need to be thinking about this for your own children, like all this stuff. So I think it's important to talk about. So the, there's kind of like a couple of things that you brought up um, about good old HP. And and some of the, uh, there's like three main things that I want to hit on be, that I think are the most compelling arguments that he makes. Okay. Um, the first one being Harry Potter and his, um, his character, right? Like his, his bad protagonist, um, thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing is how magic is used in the universe. Yeah, I've heard this one. Yeah. And the third thing is, um, oh, what was the third thing? And we'll, some other third. And thing. some other third thing. We'll get to it. <laughs> we don't need notes. We don't need it. I don't want them. I had them remembered, but then you went on this. I got in, interested in what you were saying for once. You had right? them remembered. <laughs> 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 okay, so. It's really going to bother me that I can't remember that third thing. His protagonism. His protagonism isn't very good. So think about – so I didn't read the books, right? But um, Michael D. O'Brien did. And he, when he was thinking about writing this book and we ha- he had you know people 
telling him to read this book and write something on it. He had he had multiple families coming to him and saying that they were receiving or like being victims of spiritual attack because of these of these books, right? Interesting. Because they were trying to read them and be critical of them. And so they were like, "Hey, we we really think that there's something going on here. I want to write about this, but I can't seem to, you know, or like every time I try to, I get sick or what, you know, stuff like that that would happen." Yeah. And he writes about this in the front and he he writes about how he would have some really really nasty like nightmares when he was in the process of reading these books and writing writing the book that he did write. So that, I think, lends even more weight to what he talks about um, because spiritual forces are real and demons are actively roaming the earth and affecting everything that's going on. So yeah, he talks about Harry as a character. I haven't read the books recently, but I, I'm basing it all off of what he remembers and what he writes about. He A lot of people will say that the best thing about Harry is that he is uh, sacrificial, right? Mm-hmm. At the very end, he sacrifices himself um, for the good right and it's like wow yeah, that should point us, that should point us towards christ right that should that's that's a good thing because christ sacrificed himself so harry yeah. obviously is like a good character michael d o'brien's whole point is and he's courageous right and he's loyal to his friends and all, all that stuff right those are all the the things that people say he's brave um but the thing is is that he he argues o'brien argues that in book seven he doesn't really earn that sacrificial moment right nothing in his character points him to that because earlier in book seven he curses a death eater right and it says that he literally like enjoys the the pain and torture that he's putting the death eater through Hmm. all throughout the history of the books he he enjoys and he relishes when his enemies are hurting when they're in pain right he hates snape with like a lot of vitriol he hates malfoy yeah he hates Lucius, right? Like all of those people in his, he hates the Dursleys and a side note about the Dursleys. They're the only people, main people in the books who are anti-magic and they're portrayed very, very negatively, which is yeah. interesting. Right? So Harry hates all these people and there's never, so like when you have all of that, it's hard to say that he's like a loving character because he's not right. He hates mm-hmm. anybody who's not his friend, uh, which is the opposite of what Christ tells us to do. That's true. Yeah. Which is which is one inversion. Another thing is that he constantly cheats, right? So he <laughs> all the time, yeah. right, is sneaking around school when he's not supposed to be. He's going around the rules and he gets rewarded for lying, for stealing, for um breaking school rules. Like yeah, rarely Dumbledore is like it, encourages it. Dumbledore encourages frequently. it, right? He rewards me at the end of the day, um, if it it's this weird ends justifying the means of like, oh you stole this or you stole that or you you did this illegal potion. But since you saved the day, two hundred points to Gryffindor. And it's like Yeah. It's kind of a meme where people will say like, oh we did all these things bad, but Gryffindor still got those points. Haha, ha, isn't Dumbledore funny? It's like actually that's probably not good because that what is that teaching children? You know, as long as yeah. I get to the desired end result, I can do whatever it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too, it's really funny one <laughs> in that in that first book when mm-hmm. they they get they all get they each get like I think a hundred points each. Uh, Ron, Harry, and Hermione for what mm-hmm. they did in the chamber or like the the basement, right. whatever they're doing. Um, <laughs> and Neville gets like the last like twenty five or fifty. For doing something incredibly brave, standing mm-hmm. up for standing right. up to them, yeah. Even though he's like a weak little boy, he's right. like, no, like I'm I'm gonna fight you. Till mm-hmm. I'm like I'm not gonna let you. Right. Neville is the, the most again. virtuous character in the whole series. Yeah, and he should have been the one to fulfill the prophecy. Absolutely. Neville would have done it in four books. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. We'll get back to we'll get back to Neville. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? I do have a point to make about him later though. So okay, cool. and then the other thing that Harry does is he he uh is not obedient to authority. Mm-hmm. And this is praised as a virtue as well. And like he again, he hates Umbridge. He refuses to do what she says. Um goes around what he's supposed to go around even with the dursleys at home he he doesn't listen to their authority that they have over him granted they're awful people yeah um generally any authority all the authority all the authority figures, figures are terrible yeah, in the are books terrible. so that's and that's Dumbledore's a fault only of, in a positive light because he lets harry do whatever he wants right and that's yeah. a fault of the writing you know and so there's some things that like okay i can see like harry's character doing this for this reason but if you portray across the board all authority figures as harsh condescending spineless um, spineless yeah it's like then that what message is that telling children you know what mm-hmm. message is that telling young people about the legitimate authority figures in their life yeah because good literature is supposed to reveal truth and this it, all these things are not revealing truth right mm-hmm. they're elevating what should not be elevated and so that's that's kind of the first argument about harry is that like it's teaching children to go around authority that it's okay to hate people that they don't like and that um oh, there's one other thing that I talked about, but I don't remember. Um, they cheats and, and goes around. Yeah. All that stuff. This leads into how magic is used in the universe. So now this is this is a big one that people throw out. And they're like, but Lord of the Rings has magic and that's okay. And yeah. it's, I know you probably don't sound like that, but that's what I hear. And <laughs> fundamentally, even so Tolkien has written extensively about how he put magic into the world. And if you read back into the, the Silmarillion, um, about how magic was kind of created and how it was given to the characters that have it. It all yeah. comes from um, a character. I think its name is like Il- Ilthuzar or Ili- I don't know the name of anything because I haven't read it, but there's a god character in the story, right? And this this god character has all of the all of the magic and he gives it to people, right? He gives yeah. it to them as, as a way to entrust them with it. And so this is meant to show how he writes about it. It's like it's supposed to be hierarchical. Yeah. So it all comes from a supreme source. And obviously we know that elves are meant to be angels, right? And then you have oh, yeah, people like – You, did, you <laughs> yeah. didn't know that? I hope so. You went to Franciscan. <laughs> you should know that. Yeah. Um, but then you have guys like – so there's Saruman and Gandalf who are on opposite ends of the spectrum. They were both entrusted with these powers, right, this magic. Mm-hmm. And they – Gandalf shows us how he uses it for good, right? And the way that he uses magic is not—he's not a traditional wizard. Um, in the in that he like has spells and he has a book and he does potions, right? What he does is he has access to some other power that he mm-hmm. then gives to people to help them in when they're fighting, right? To help them, to elevate them, to lift them up, to make them stronger, to increase yeah. their wills, to. Um, give them strength to, to keep fighting, to keep doing what they need to do, mm. right? And the inversion of that is Saruman. When he takes that power and he creates the Urukai and, like, all these horrendous, you know, fighting machines and uses that power then to overcome and destroy rather than yeah. to lift up and elevate. Um, so there's a clear, like, distinction between, you know, Gandalf the White and Saruman the whatever he is. Yeah. And... So that's and magic is meant to be a metaphor for grace in that universe. Like grace mm. is supposed to build up nature. And Tolkien yeah. writes about this. He goes, I don't even think that when I wrote Lord of the Rings, I made it clear enough that magic was supposed to be grace. Right? <laughs> I don't think it was it was cle- like I think I worry that some people are going to mistake it and get it wrong and fall into 
the temptation of thinking that magic is the solution to their problems. Like, which is amazing considering that that's the greatest magic like portrayal of grace that we have in literature is from yeah. Tolkien's universe. I mean, there's so many moments where Gandalf doesn't. Yeah. I mean, he magic doesn't save him. No. At first, you know, like magic isn't. It's not a magic fix. It's something that's harnessed as opposed to exactly something that is commanded. And it's something that's given, right? Yeah. Like intentionally. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really, really important is that it's it's hierarchical and it reveals something about, again, the nature of authority, the nature of subservience, all of that. Yeah. Then you look at Harry Potter. It's kind of just given to anybody. You know, if you have magical parents, then you kind of get it unless you're a squib in which case you're of a lower class. Oh yeah, that's that's something else that I think is is kind of messed up about the Harry Potter world. It's like magic is the supreme and like if mm-hmm. you have it, you are kind of like the master right. race. Yikes. And yeah. then there's like muggles or everybody that's not a wizard mm-hmm. has like a derogatory name, a right. derogatory sounding name. And, like, they do play with that with, like, that's whole, Voldemort's whole thing is to, like, subjugate the muggles, you know, because yeah. he does see himself as more powerful. But why wouldn't he, you know? But <laughs> so anyway, because he literally is more powerful than them. So the thing is, right, there's no hierarchical nature of the magic in the Harry Potter universe. It's not a metaphor for grace because um, it's all about power and it's all yeah. about knowledge. And this is why he points out, he talks a lot about Gnosticism. It's in Gnostic the book. magic as opposed it's to Gnostic, Christian. Gnostic magic. And so this Gnosticism is a heresy that cropped up and it's all about how, um, Patrick, you could probably define it better than me, actually. Oh, it's a primacy of, of the intellect over uh, the material. So it believes in the sinfulness of the material and the primacy of knowledge over mm-hmm. grace. And there is this uh, aspect of it, Gnosis, like being knowledge and like having Mm -hmm. this secret knowledge that if you had this knowledge then you would be saved you know yeah which is which is problematic because you look at the way that the harry potter universe teaches their magic it's like okay you have this ability now we're just going to if you have enough knowledge if you have enough power then you will be a great wizard it has nothing to do with virtue and it has nothing to do with actually responding to some sort of impulse from someone greater than you right like someone initiating something in your life it's literally if i train hard enough if i work hard enough i get enough knowledge then i will be the most powerful wizard ironically it's a very american view of grace yeah exactly very western view of grace and the the magic in the harry potter universe is not used to elevate or to lift up 999 times out of a thousand it's used to overcome destroy disrupt overpower control right that's the thing with neville right he stands up to his friends and how do they use magic they freeze him you know they they literally keep him from doing virtue with magic which is hilarious which is bad Uh, which is bad and also every time they use magic outside of class they're breaking a rule right and it's and even when harry breaks it so badly that he blows up his aunt he he gets off scot-free yeah there's no no repercussions and And, so oh yeah I just want to talk about the yeah. the lock, the unlocking spell. Mm-hmm. Stupid. Why are there even locks? <laughs> if everyone, when they're, if an eleven year old, think about an eleven year old mm-hmm. with a master key to anything. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, like eleven, eleven years old, they can unlock any door they want. This was even even when I was eleven reading this book, I was like, "This is probably." Are you telling idea. me that they got into the place where this immortality stone was being kept by using like a first, a first grader grade spell? spell? Dumbledore <laughs> wasn't like, "Maybe I should protect this a little more." 
was just not very smart. Um, That's the real problem. Dumbledore's an idiot. He deserved it. They don't call him Smartledore. <laughs> That's the title of the episode. There we go. Thank you. Yes. Um, <laughs> and two, so this, and then this, I think is like the, the least compelling argument that people make is like, oh, there's magic in it. Therefore it's bad. Right. And people yeah, say, no, 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 no. It's a story about good versus evil. And it's really not a story of good versus evil, which is unfortunate for people who are listening to this because What's it as, a story of? it's a story. I don't even know what it's a story. I mean, it's on the surface. It is a story of good versus evil. But if you look mm-hmm. at the how the characters are fighting each other and how they are, how the conflict is resolved, it's not kind of the traditional through virtue, through love, through, you know, teamwork, right? The things that mutual charity, like all the things that should overcome evil and will overcome evil, self-sacrifice, um, like those yeah. are the things that we're, we need to be taught are good, right? And will overcome evil in the end. But we're not taught that, right? We're taught that cunning and cleverness and luck, like literally there's a luck potion that they take, right? <laughs> like those are the things that, that overcome, right? And and like we like he says, like the final sacrifice, it isn't really earned by Harry's character arc. He's done nothing yeah. to to show that he's going to be like that. And so then you get to the point of like, what is the actual magic showing about the battle of good versus evil? Because in real it's life... It's just a story. It's just a story of a grown man trying to take over a high school. Right. Because in real life, <laughs> in real life, we know that the occult is always, always, always bad, right? Yeah. And sure, Harry Potter might have given some people the means in some areas to access the occult. And that is bad, right? We should, even that in and of itself is worth saying, like, this probably was a bad idea if there are people around the world who... (laughs) Wrap it up. We're just going to pack it in. Yeah, exactly. Who fell into mortal sin, who fell into demonic activity because of Harry Potter. And those are like documented things, right? You can't like deny that. Um, is that people looked up spells online, looked up how to do witchcraft, looked like that's just not yeah. That's not J.K. Good. Rowling did her homework, so to speak. Like she, yeah. she found stuff right, which is and, not good. Yeah, and so that should not be discounted because spiritual warfare is real. But then you think of okay, so if we know that using the occult and using magic is always bad, it's easy for the devil to invert that and say, well, in some cases. It can be good, right? When you're yeah. fighting, when you're fighting a bigger evil, oof. And that's that's the danger thing, right that's there. That's the danger, yeah. So his great line in the book is like, so you have a bunch of good people using the occult versus a bunch of bad people using the occult. Mm-hmm. How is that any different than a bunch of good fornicators fighting a bunch of bad fornicators? It's fair. Which is that line rocked my socks off. I was like, oh, 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 good point. okay, yeah, I get it now. I kind of I kind of see your point. A lot of the magic that's used, right? I mean, the second book, the whole premise is they go mm-hmm. into a library section they're not supposed to go in. Make a potion they're not allowed not to make. Not supposed to make, which the essence of is lie to by impersonating, people. yeah, other people. Yeah, all 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 magic is used to like trick, overcome, mm-hmm. circumvent the the rules, right? Like and essentially overcome nature. Yeah, and it's to huh that's a really good point. It's not, there's no cooperation. It's just mm-hmm. who can trick the other person better. Who yeah. can, it's like either, either through cunning, through trickery or through like overpowering sheer or, power, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So like dueling, the dueling scenes in the second book are like that. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And so you have these themes that run through it of like love and sacrifice and courage. And those are all good, but the, here's the thing, right? Is like, 
it's it's this glossy sheen, you know, on on top mm-hmm. of it. It's like you have all of these these underlying pretty nasty things, but on top of it, it's actually well written and it's funny and it's you love the characters because they're exciting yeah. and they and they're relatable and you like them and it is a real story of love. Like it's amazing how the parents died for the son and now he has this bond with them and he gets to die, you know, to for the sake of everybody else because his parents died for him. And like, that's, that's a great story, you know, mm. like that's, we love that, but it's the, everything that's underneath mm. is, is dangerous. Right. And is yeah. not, it isn't good. And so how do you like, and that's why people are so fierce because they relate so deeply to Harry because he's an yeah. outcast and he's kind of awkward and he is smart, but he's not too smart. And like the, he's a super relatable character. And so people, especially with the films, they see yeah. them, them being him. And then when you say, Hey, Harry Potter's not that great of a series, actually, then it's like, wait a minute. So you're saying I'm not that I'm great. Not. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny that they, they gave him the tragic, like virtuous parents backstory mm-hmm. while also giving him a way to hate his parents. Yeah. Within the Dursleys. I think mm-hmm. there was, there was one part where you can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. There's one part where I think I think Dumbledore like chastises Harry for not being more grateful for the Dursleys and all their sacrifices mm-hmm. they made, even though mm-hmm. they didn't. I think the book would have been better written. I mean, because it's so silly that it's like, oh, well, he's being kept from this magical world by people that hate him. And then he finally gets to escape it. And so he that, that's kind of sets the precedence off of like Harry gets gets out of tough situations just by luck. Mm-hmm. Or just by like circumventing authority. Yeah. Every time he leaves the Dursleys' house, it's by mm-hmm. force or by someone kidnapping him in the middle of the night. Right. Um, seven grown men coming to his house and taking him out through the window. Uh, weird. That's when did that book. happen? Seventh book. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. No, I'm confusing that with the Chamber of Secrets. You are. Yeah. That, that's when they all go because they have to. He has to evade detection yeah. or whatever and she so, killed hedwig for no good reason yeah so stupid to make you sad and then so you talk about all of this right and then you say well ethan don't you, you it sounds like you just want a bland boring protagonist that always does the right thing that's not what i want Mm-mm. right think about frodo okay he frodo doesn't always do the right thing he does not always do the right thing he uses the ring too often he uses the ring too often he in the end this is crazy to me right in the end of the lord of the rings no spoilers. I'm not there yet. I'm just kidding. Okay. Everybody should know about this. Don't don't yeah. listen to this if you haven't read through the Lord of the Rings, but you should know. So in the end, they're they're standing at Mount Doom, right? Frodo's about to throw the ring into into the fire, into the volcano, but he's like, no, I can't do it, and he's about to put it on, and that's right when he gets attacked by Gollum, right? And Gollum wants the ring for himself too, and then Gollum falls in, the ring falls in, and he's saved by Sam, you know, and then they they escape, and it's great, it's amazing. Yeah. But the reason the reason that he didn't put the ring on is because Gollum attacked him. The reason that Gollum is alive is because Sam had mercy on him outside of the outside of the volcano. Sam mm-hmm. could have killed him because and he had every reason to kill Gollum. Yeah. But he didn't. And so the the direct reason that Frodo succeeded in his mission is because his friend had mercy on an enemy, right? Mm. And the only reason that they're there is because the whole way there Sam deeply loves Frodo and encourages him at every point along the way. And so it's through this filial love and this bond that they, that they are able to succeed, even though Frodo is flawed and desires the power for himself, wants to turn back all the time is kind of cowardly, 
right? There's all these things, but because they rely on each other and because they trust one another and because ultimately Sam is good, right? And does good and has mercy, they, they, evil is defeated. It's not because yeah. Frodo was perfect the whole way through. In fact, at the moment where he had to be perfect, he didn't, he wasn't. And so that's like, that's my argument is like, yeah, that's it. But that's still a great story. That's fair. And what, and what does Harry do when he's confronted with an enemy, right? He slices him with a sword spell in the sixth book. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like Malfoy is going through some serious crisis. He, yeah. They could actually imagine how different it would be if they became friends in book six. Oh my gosh. How much more incredible of a story would that be? Right. Like why did, why did Malfoy need to be a villain too? Like it, I think honestly, I think like it was just a schoolyard bully thing that yeah. she just took too far. Yeah. You know? Cause like it, that would have been so much more compelling. Th- that, is, that is true. Malfoy as a character just kind of is like flat. You know he's a Death Eater from the beginning and he just never changes. Honestly, how much more interesting would that be of like Harry befriending Malfoy, beginning to love him, and then like inviting him into his group with Hermione and Ron? And doesn't they have Malfoy, to. Doesn't Malfoy even like the, the Malfoys like run away at the end? Yeah. They, there's, no, there's no end for them. They don't actually have like a. No. An and ending. They, Their ending oh, is just so open. That would be open. so, so much more interesting than what actually happened. J.K. Rowling, if you're listening, and I know you are, rewrite yeah. your books. I know you're okay with doing that. Yeah. Um, so, but th- that's the thing, right? Is like, it yeah. doesn't have to be boring. It can be shocking, and it can be unexpected, and it can be really compelling. Yeah. And the the the, the Christ character, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read How to Read a Book Like a Professor. But he, uh, they I talk so. the book. Yeah. Re, the book talks about this trope about the Christ figure, mm-hmm. and the Christ figure is generally. I mean, so in Narnia it's Aslan, right? Mm-hmm. In Lord of the Rings it's Gandalf, and in Harry Potter it's knockoff Gandalf. <laughs> um, the Christ figure in like Aslan and Gandalf, they have this. They both have a similar arc, right? And so does Dumbledore. They they all s- sacrifice themselves for the cause, mm-hmm. right? They serve as a mentor to the protagonists and right when it feels like right when they need them the most, you know, like right when, right when we needed him the most, he left, but then they come, he comes back like more powerful than ever before. A hundred right? years past my brother and I discovered the new avatar an airbender <laughs> named Aang. Um, but there's no like really. And if you compare those three characters, mm-hmm. Dumbledore is like not even, half of who Aslan is like half of who Gandalf is you know there's no like because how how did Dumbledore stay alive for so long he cheated right he's cheating death this whole the whole time that he's he's a 600 some years old right yeah all because he went and found the most powerful artifacts that he could find to prolong his life yeah you actually find out that he's kind of a sleazebag yeah his brother hates him Mm -hmm. so this this and for it, ultimate it, it, power. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's just because J.K. Rowling is like not very good at creating characters, and she just wanted to I find him a it. flaw because he was too perfect. Yeah. But it's okay to have a perfect character. In fact, we should all live our lives, the story of our lives, with a perfect character. You mm-hmm. know, like there, there's a reason why the Christ, the God figure, the Christ figure is so compelling, is mm-hmm. because we're all we all should be trying to live our lives with that character as our guide. Because do the Gospels ever get boring? No. no. Because and it's like Jesus is a pretty good protagonist. Jesus is the the protagonist of all of yeah. human history. Yeah, and you're his, not the protagonist of your life, Jesus. Right, is. and his he's perfect. Right, he never does wrong. But the people around him are constantly having that thrown in their face yeah. and constantly having to deal with it, and that makes for like 
you know, obviously people always talk about like, I identify with Peter so much in the gospels, you know, I identify mm-hmm. with the disciples, I identify with the rich young ruler, like all these people who encounter the perfection of God and either have to accept it in some way and like change. And we get to see that and experience that, or they have, they turn away and like, that's, there's no, that, that just doesn't exist in the Harry Potter universe. There's no perfection that anyone's being called to because the perfection is just being powerful and being smart yeah. and this vague notion of good. And that's what people always say. It's like, oh yeah, it's good versus evil. Good wins in the end. What is good? There is no morality in the universe. Their definition there is, of good is friendship, which right. is a pretty vague definition of goodness. There's no, there's no higher authority higher than the, the, or the, whatever it is, the wizarding government. You know, and then yeah. even they don't have any higher accountability. And so they have Christmas no... and Easter, but no God. Right. And so there's this whole universe that's been created just a religious, a morality, a moral. Um, and then we expect to be like, oh, look at all the good in this. Like what? By the rules of this universe, there is no good. So yeah. how can I even? Uh, yeah, at least at least in Narnia, Narnia might be flawed. Lord of the Rings might be flawed, but at least there's some standard of good that you can point to and be mm-hmm. like, "Look, they're trying to be like Aslan." You know, look, they're trying to be like Gandalf. I don't, I don't know. This is I think it's it might be splitting hairs and people might totally disagree, but I think <laughs> I think it's really compelling and I think it's really yeah. worth talking about in a way that's just that's more than just, "Oh, they use spells in Latin, which is bad." Like <laughs> Yeah, that's true, and that can be dangerous, but that's not why fundamentally it's a flawed piece of literature. That's fair. Yeah, just like looking at, honestly, like I haven't read the Harry Potter books in a few years, and like I can't read them without that nostalgic look, right? right? You can't read them, and like nostalgia makes everything look nicer, and so it's hard to kind of objectively look at these characters and say, oh, you know, this character is kind of flat. This character never actually changes. Mm-hmm. Does Hermione ever like? Do they ever like change? I know in the first book they do. They go through. They all they all get challenged in a specific. Well, Ron's changed that he gets better at chess. Yeah, that's the only thing that happens. <laughs> and then Hermione, they don't show this in the movie, but she, um, she just she just figures out a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's also weird. Like Dumbledore made it so that only those three could get through why didn't he just do it that's my other thing is like if dumbledore is so smart why didn't he just do it all himself um i i don't know it's 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 just kind of silly because in in narnia at least it's like the they're the protagonists are four children right Mm -hmm. but aslan doesn't rely on them to do everything he challenges them right like he holds he holds the when peter Mm -hmm. fights the wolves right he holds back the other forces be like, no, like this is his time. He needs to grow and become a man. Yeah. Um, when Lucy is in the, in the house of the magician, right? Like mm-hmm. he tests her and he makes her grow. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry just, his wisdom, his intellect gets tested and his power gets tested and that's it. Yeah. Dumbledore thrusts him into dangerous situations with no backup. Yeah. I, I wish I could comment more on more of like the specific instances, but I, I, I'm basing it off of, what he wrote about in the book gotcha and so like i don't remember the the specific stories of when harry was tested or when he wasn't tested i wish i knew more about it other than like what the movies show because the movies are not the same as the books the movies really dial back a lot of this stuff it's true yeah they 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 clean it up a little because it's like man if we had a really terrible characters on screen we wouldn't sell movies (laughs) 
So they have to make, they have to do some changes for film, but there's also inherent dangers with film too, of like it, when you see a screen, it bypasses your cognitive abilities, you know? And so then you're just consuming whatever it's giving you without question. And so he does talk about it a little bit, but he mostly focuses on the books in the, in the book. I would recommend everybody to read it, that book, and then A Landscape with Dragons, Harry Potter, The Paganization of Culture. Just Mike, anything Michael D. O'Brien has written. Um, Father Elijah is incredible. Father like, Elijah if you want to understand, if you want to understand the spiritual life of yeah. different people, yeah, read that book. It's oh, crazy. Yeah. I think Father Elijah. I don't want to put all my put all my eggs into one basket, but I do think that he has a lot of good things to say. And he cites his sources too. He like he's a lot of the stuff that he writes about. He's quoting other people who have written before him. So he's yeah. he's he's building. He's not just um, this is all my thoughts. So yeah. anyway. I don't know. I have to go catch a plane. Yeah, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> wow. We're both about to sit. Let me so let me tell you this. After all of that, have your opinions changed or do you still disagree with me? Um hearing those arguments, I think those are the most compelling arguments that I've heard. I I was never a fan of the um the magic versus mm-hmm. magic and Lord of the Rings versus Harry Potter argument until you brought that to my attention that like the magic is used in different ways. Yeah. Um, I mean, Lord of the Rings is harder to read, so it's yeah. likely that people haven't read it. You know, I yeah. mean, I hadn't read it until recently. Mm-hmm. So I just finished it this year. We have this vague notion that Lord of the Rings has magic in it. So it's like, well, that has magic in it. That must be okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. My opinions have definitely changed just because like, I don't know when, when you analyze characters, if it wants to be on, if Harry Potter wants to be on the caliber of Lord of the Rings and Narnia, then it should try harder yeah um if as of now it's like in the same category as like hunger games and divergent mm-hmm. it's a book for edgy rebellious teenagers who yeah. just want to shake a fist at authority which is fine i mean there's a there's a place for that i guess yeah but yeah i don't know. think you can call it literature it's just young adult fiction it's fair yeah read it don't read it but <laughs> maybe don't <laughs> So. I had fun at the I had fun at the Deathly Hallows release party though. So yeah, I did. I mean, I went to all the movies and everything. Also, and Deathly Hallows books. is a weird name. Hallows means holy. Yeah, he so, does. He talks about that too. Yeah. <laughs> what's that? What's he trying to say there? There's there's a lot more we could talk about, but let's. Uh, you need to catch your plane. I need yep. to. I need to catch uh, some porcelain. So, Patrick. No wait. No, I'll tell people where they can find us. You can find me on t- Twitter at Bropostle. You can find Patrick on Twitter at the Crunchcast. You can or at Catholic or Pat. at Catholic Pat. Please don't let my ratio fall. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram, Ethan Stevie or Patrick Nevy, I, I, I. Um, leave us a review on iTunes. We had it. We got a review the other day that was a one-star review that I thought was hilarious. What did it say? Um, this week's Crunch of the Week. <laughs> it was, yeah, Crunch of the Week. Uh, oh, it was so funny. Hold on. Three. Apparently, um, apparently leaving reviews is the best way to get a podcast more visible because yeah. the more reviews are left, the better iTunes promotes have, the podcast. We have so. over 300 reviews. Did you know that? The best thing you can do for the podcast is besides supporting us on patreon.com slash the crunch is leaving a review on iTunes. Please do. Just in case you wanted to know what the best thing you can do to support the show is. Not and please what support I... us on Patreon because we just had to give focus a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the review is one star. It says, not what I expected at all. Once don't agree with such liberal topics. Find the truth and logic of our faith. July second, twenty nineteen. So if you want to leave a one star review, hop onto iTunes and leave. How dare you say we have topics? I know, rude. (laughs) Uh, Patreon.com slash the crunch. Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? There's a reason they don't call him Smartledore. (laughs) 
Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you, and we will see you all next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.